Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. Good afternoon, America. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. I am your host, Mark Levine. Well, it's a tale of two Americas right now, right? For those of you who've been watching the Democratic National Convention, it's been a joy and it's been scary. It's frightening to know what we're going through. It's frightening to see it before our eyes, whether the threat is climate change or gun violence or systemic racism, or whether it's a celebration, right? The 100th anniversary of women's right to vote occurred just this week. It was amazing just listening to to Barack Obama. We're going to play a lot of what he had to say tonight, uh, along with the vice presidential nominee, Kamala Harris. There was a lot of hope. And yet at the same time, it's striking that the news that's not being reported is even more scary, even more horrific than, well, let me just talk about what happened this week. And then I I promise I'll get to the Democrats. One of the problems with Donald Trump is he does so many bad things that he takes your attention off the good. And so I will not be derailed. I promise I'll get back to Barack Obama and Kamala Harris. But just this week, the New York court, good news, the New York court ruled that Donald Trump cannot continue to hide his tax returns. He's got to turn it over. This, you may remember, went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, went all the way back. Now the court said, yeah, you have no excuse not to turn it over. Turn it over. I'm sure there'll be a later appeal. That's good news. Even deeper in trouble, Um, Steve Bannon. Remember Steve Bannon, the big white supremacist, uh, the guy who hates immigrants, sort of the, I don't know, the moral lack of heart of the Trump universe, the guy who sort of embodies all of the evil therein. Yeah, well, it turns out that thieves can't trust thieves, and um, all those wonderful racists who really trusted Steve Bannon not to cheat them? Well, he cheated them too in his scheme to build a wall while Trump couldn't get the wall that he promised. He certainly couldn't get Mexico to pay for it. Uh, Steve Bannon decided to build a private wall and stole a million plus from the people he was building a wall from. What do you know? Trumpists can't touch Trumpet. Can't trust Trumpists. That's hard to say. Trumpists can't trust Trumpists. Well, it's a tongue twister. But they can't. I mean, once a thief, always a thief. So he's been arrested. May he be convicted and spend a long time in the slammer. Going deeper and darker, Vladimir Putin today murdered yet another political opponent. This was actually a pretty powerful political opponent, Alexei Navalny his most prominent political opponent. I don't know what courage, bravery, or frankly stupidity allows someone to speak out 
in Russia against that dictator. I don't know why Navalny didn't go abroad to somewhere safe. Presumably he was doing it for his people suffering under the brutal dictatorship of Vladimir Putin. But he flew on a flight and in the hotel, in the hotel airport, he made the mistake of ordering and drinking tea. And uh, Putin poisoned him and he's dying now. I don't know about you, but I have a feeling Donald Trump wishes he could do that to his political opponents. And I don't think he's beyond it. I really don't. I just think that he doesn't have the kind of loyalty of people all around America who are willing to murder on his behalf. He's got people willing to defraud on his behalf. He's got willing people willing to commit treason on his behalf. Not quite yet willing to murder his political opponents, maybe. But all I can say is Joe Biden, make sure the Secret Service checks all your food before you eat it. And that gets me to the most serious and most damaging revelation that just came out this week and got almost no news attention. Remember when Donald Trump used to say no collusion, no collusion? Yeah, well, the Republican-controlled, bipartisan Senate committee investigating has now found such significant collusion between Donald Trump and his campaign and Russia that they not only recommended the indictment of its campaign manager, Paul Manafort, who had a Russian spy on staff with the Trump campaign, someone actively working with them. And, and to be fair to the Russians, Trump accepted their aid with open arms, knowing it was Russian aid to rig the election. Not only that, but apparently the Senate, the Republican-controlled Senate committee, recommended indictments not only against Manafort. They didn't just want to arrest all of Manafort and Corey Lewandowski and Michael Flynn and Roger Stone and all the big Republican campaign staff. They also recommended indictments against Donald Trump Jr. Did you read that in the news? It's there. You may have to Google it. It might be on page A23. To me, the fact that Donald Trump's son was recommended by a Republican Senate committee to be arrested for some kind of treasonous collusion with the Russians to rig our elections, you'd think would be bigger news. But we have a problem. When it comes to Donald Trump committing treason, most Democrats say, oh, yeah, tell me what else is new. Of course Donald Trump betrayed our country. He doesn't have the, the decency of a Benedict Arnold who at least fought for our country before he betrayed it. No, no, Donald Trump doesn't have the courage or decency of Benedict Arnold or Joe McCarthy. For a Democrat, the fact that Donald Trump and his family and his campaign were all committing treason in order to rig election to help Russia is old news. And for Republicans, well, they're not going to believe it. It doesn't matter that a Republican Senate committee found the facts and it listed a very multi-page report. They're not going to read it. You're not going to read it. You know what? I probably won't read it. I might skim it if I have time. 
But the verdict's in. If you thought Donald Trump gave a damn about America, <laughs> you're not going to be dissuaded no matter what he does. For once, Donald was right. He said he could shoot a man in broad daylight on Fifth Avenue and his supporters wouldn't care. Do you think he could poison his political opponents and his supporters wouldn't care? I think so. I think if Donald Trump did to Joe Biden what Vladimir Putin did to Alexei Navalny, his supporters would just assume it's all some deep conspiracy. Biden purposely killed himself in order to, I don't know, ask QAnon. Speaking of QAnon, do you know what QAnon is? QAnon is almost certainly another Russian conspiracy. It's this supposedly anonymous person group that is suggesting that Democrats are involved in some kind of satanic child molesting cult. You may remember the allegation was that Hillary Clinton did some kind of horrible sexual thing to some little child in the non-existent basement of a DC pizza parlor. You remember some idiot Trumpist believed it, went in, shot up the place, found out it didn't even have a basement, and is now serving some well-deserved time in jail. But what about the people who gave him the conspiracy? What about the people who incited him to commit violence? Will they ever go to jail? Will Trump and his team wear an orange jumpsuit? I hope so. Not just because it matches his face. I want him and his son and Manafort and Roger Stone and Steve Bannon to all be in separate cells. Not out of any enmity I have toward them as individuals. I think they're odious individuals. It's more about this country. It's more about our democracy. It's more about saving our republic and the rule of law and the constitution of the United States. We cannot let corruption and bribery become normalized. We cannot let ridiculous conspiracy theories, almost certainly coming from America's greatest enemy in the world, become normal. We cannot let a president steal blindly from the American people, use taxpayer money, try to rig our elections, try to end our democracy by doing such crazy things as defunding the U.S. Postal Service. It can't become normal. That's the message Barack Obama gave us. We'll have when we come back. And now, the voice of reason in an unreasonable world, Mark Levine. Welcome back to Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. While uh, the president's men are all going to jail, and hopefully a lot more of them will go to jail, uh, as I mentioned, the Senate report that came out referred criminal matters, including that of Donald Trump Jr. to the Justice Department that promptly took no action because we know the position of Donald Trump's Justice Department is the president is above the law, can kill whomever he likes, can commit treason, can promote terrorism through this weird QAnon conspiracy, which by the way, now the Republicans have active people running for Congress claiming to believe in this BS, BS is actually a really nice way to call it, let's call it in this intentional 
Con even conspiracy theory seems too nice. QAnon has been called a terrorist group by the FBI because what they're doing is they're railing up those people who are ignorant enough to believe in the screed and 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 ugly falsehoods again I'm trying not to swear on the air that Fox News is selling actually go out and commit violence they're no different this Putin Republican QAnon conspiracy theory than what Al Qaeda does when it tries to radicalize American Muslims, usually failing but occasionally succeeding. This group is trying to radicalize white racists, white racist Trumpists. And thankfully, we haven't seen too much violence yet, but sometimes succeed. That's why it's a terrorist group. The Republican Party is welcoming a terrorist group into the Congress with a woman in Georgia, Green, it's her last name, who actually subscribes to these theories. Again, theory seems a little too nice to this terrorist propaganda, this evil incitement of people to violence. Frankly, she's far more harmful than Al-Qaeda because the number of American radical Muslims who are susceptible to Al-Qaeda's rhetoric in America is thankfully tiny. But I believe the number of racist trumpets that are susceptible to violence and have the guns to carry it out is much, 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 much larger. I believe this woman now running for Congress and endorsed by the Republican Party is more of a threat to America than Al-Qaeda. All I ask is that the Republicans reject that. President Obama last night was as stern as I've ever seen him. It's largely been a very joyful Democratic National Convention. I've loved seeing the children in red, white, and blue sing the national anthem, kind of brought a tear to my eye. And the roll call vote was clearly the best roll call vote in American history. I don't know why they have to do it from inside the chamber. It's absolutely right. I hope from now on they will always go from Alabama and Alaska to Wisconsin and Wyoming and every state alphabetically in between, showing our beautiful country, our wonderful, diverse people, our traditions, whether it's Calamari in Rhode Island or wearing native garb in uh, the Northern Mariana Islands, whether it's Matthew Shepard's mom in Wyoming, or the woman celebrating women's suffrage in Tennessee, or Kazir Khan in my home state of Virginia, talking about the sacrifice his son gave. But Barack Obama, who's not usually so uh, severe, not usually so harsh, delivered a very frank indictment of the President of the United States. And just like his wife, Michelle, took the show on Monday, I think he took the show 
last night. Sorry, Kamala, you were very good. We'll get to you. And I know you're running for vice president. But the, the warning of Barack Obama is one that I will remember, I think, for the rest of my life. You owe it to yourself to watch the entire speech, but I'm going to play for you just a few snippets of the parts of it that most appealed to me. I have sat in the Oval Office with both of the men who are running for president. I never expected that my successor would embrace my vision or continue my policies. I did hope, for the sake of our country, that Donald Trump might show some interest in taking the job seriously. That he might come to feel the weight of the office and discover some reverence for the democracy that had been placed in his care. But he never did. For close to four years now, he has shown no interest in putting in the work. No interest in finding common ground. No interest in using the awesome power of his office to help anyone but himself and his friends. No interest in treating the presidency as anything but one more reality show that he can use to get the attention he craves. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. And the consequences of that failure are severe. 170,000 Americans dead. Millions of jobs, gone. While those at the top take in more than ever. Our worst impulses unleashed. Our proud reputation around the world badly diminished. And our democratic institutions threatened like never before. I want you to think about each of those words. Each of those words. I mean, I've talked a lot in the past few months about COVID, so has everyone. I focused from the earliest time I've been on the air this year on all the preventable deaths, on all the 170,000 and Let's face it, it's going to be over 200,000 American lives, probably a quarter of a million before Donald Trump is done, that are going to die from his mistakes. And to be fair to Donald Trump, only about 99%, maybe a little bit more than 99% of the deaths are his fault. I fully accept that somewhere less than 1% of Americans were going to die anyway from this disease, a few hundred maybe even a thousand or two. Indeed, if you look at North at South Korea, you know that we lost, that they lost two, three hundred lives. So maybe we would have lost two, three thousand. We're not ten times the size of South Korea. But we would not have lost 170,000, not even close. And the level of corruption, the unleashing of racist attacks in America the threats to our democracy, it's severe. Barack Obama is right. Donald Trump just never grew into the job. He always saw it as something he could just wing, like a reality show. He could just lie like he did there, like he did in all of his businesses, and Americans would follow along. Well, the president, the good president, is giving us a good warning. We're going to play more when we come back.
Back to the Aggressive Progressive, Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. Barack Obama last night gave us a searing indictment of the Trump administration. One that, frankly, any Democrat already knew and any Republican wasn't listening to. He admitted at the outset, wondering sort of what he could do. As he said, times are as polarized as they've ever been before. In fact, he didn't say this, but that's largely because that's how Donald Trump ran and how he continues to govern. And he frankly feeds off our hate. That's that's what he does. And so Obama points out, you know, he's you may not vote at all because they're trying to basically make you cynical. And he actually concludes on that point, and I'll be playing that a little bit later on in the broadcast. But first he talks about Joe Biden, the fundamental decency of Joe Biden, the guy that cares about everyone, that has as a man who has as much empathy as Donald Trump lacks. The guy who returned every day on the train to Wilmington. It's a long train ride. It's quite a commute. About almost a couple hours. Every day, there and back, so he could tuck his kids in bed. But he goes on to say what Joe and Kamala can do. What Vice President Biden and Senator Harris can and have done, and why they'll be able to help get us out of this mess. Along with the experience needed to get things done, Joe and Kamala have concrete policies that will turn their vision of a better, fairer, stronger country into reality. They will get this pandemic under control, like Joe did when he helped me manage H1N1 and prevent an Ebola outbreak from reaching our shores. They'll expand healthcare to more Americans, like Joe and I did 10 years ago, when he helped craft the Affordable Care Act and nail down the votes to make it the law. They'll rescue the economy, like Joe helped me do after the Great Recession. I asked him to manage the Recovery Act, which jump-started the longest stretch of job growth in history. And he sees this moment now, not as a chance to get back to where we were, but to make long overdue changes so that our economy actually makes life a little easier for everybody. Whether it's the waitress trying to raise a kid on her own, or the shift worker always on the edge of getting laid off, or the student figuring out how to pay for next semester's classes. Joe and Kamala will restore our standing in the world. And as we've learned from this pandemic, that matters. Joe knows the world, and the Joe world knows will him. Restore our standing in the world. He knows that our true strength comes from setting an example that the world wants to follow. A nation that stands with democracy, not dictators. A nation that can inspire and mobilize others to overcome threats like climate change and terrorism. Just, just a second. Can you imagine an American president? standing up for dictators prior to Donald Trump? 
I mean, don't get me wrong. We've had our slew of American presidents. I mean, I don't know who you think was the most corrupt prior to Donald Trump. Most would probably say Richard Nixon. The Richard Nixon, for all his corruption, all his flaws, all his cover-ups, all his attacks on the press and <laughs> corruption trying to get himself elected, he didn't stand up for dictators like Donald Trump does. and disease. But more than anything, what I know about Joe, what I know about Kamala, is that they actually care about every American. And that they care deeply about this democracy. They believe that in a democracy, the right to vote is sacred. And we should be making it easier for people to cast their ballots, not harder. They believe that no one, including the president, is above the law. And that no public official, including the president, should use their office to enrich themselves or their supporters. Remember when that seemed uncontroversial? That presidents wanted people to vote rather than trying to prevent? people from voting? Remember when most Americans believed that all of us, including the president, had to follow the law? Remember when Americans used to think that it was wrong to steal taxpayer dollars and stick it in your pocket? When they felt that bribery was wrong, rigging elections were wrong, treason was wrong, enriching yourself at the country's expense was wrong. The Democratic Party still believes it is wrong. And to be fair, there are Republicans, Republicans like John Kasich and Colin Powell, George Will, conservative Republicans, who also understand that it's wrong. It used to be just an American thing. It's a shame that one party has become so un-American. President Obama went on. They understand that in this democracy, the commander in chief does not use the men and women of our military who are willing to risk everything to protect our nation as political props to deploy against peaceful protesters on our own soil. They understand that political opponents aren't un-American just because they disagree with you. The free press isn't the enemy, but the way we hold officials accountable that our ability to work together to solve big problems like a pandemic depend on a fidelity to facts and science and logic and not just making stuff up. None of this should be controversial. These shouldn't be Republican principles or Democratic principles. They are American principles. But at this moment, this president and those who enable him have shown they don't believe in these things. Tonight, I'm asking you to believe in Joe and Kamala's ability to lead this country out of these dark times and build it back better. Let's focus just for a bit on what 
the president, what President Obama is saying, because it's easy when you're in the middle of a hole to not quite probe the depth of the darkness we are in. I know that these are not normally Republican principles. Using the military to attack peaceful protesters? Yeah, Russia does that. China does that. Belarus is trying to do that now. Turkey, North Korea, Egypt. But America? I mean, the few times it's happened, I think back to Kent State in 1970, are memorable precisely because it's seen as so un-American that they were massive scandals. The free press. We have had a vibrant free press since colonial days. Lots of people don't like their press. I don't like some of my press. But they're not the enemy. That's kind of a basic protection. I mean, the fact that President Obama had to defend facts and science and logic and not making stuff up. Can you imagine the logical debate on that one? Well, I believe in logic. Well, I don't. I believe in science. I don't. I believe in facts. I believe in making things up. And yet this is a president who has lied more than 20,000 times over his presidency. And that's not just some number I came out of, out of thin air. Go to the Washington Post, just Google 20,000 Donald Trump's lies, and they have a list. And you can look up lie number 9,832 or lie number 16,325. I recognize the president's only been office for a little over a thousand days. I also realize it's really hard to lie 20 times a day. But Donald Trump has managed to do it. Barack Obama is saying these aren't supposed to be Republican or Democratic principles, and they're not. They are American principles. And the fight today is for America. And I know there are lots on the left that were disappointed seeing all the Republicans at the Democratic National Convention. They're saying, what are these people doing here? They're conservatives, they're not progressive. They're with us, not because they agree with us on health care or on dampening down the power of big corporations. They're with us because they care about their democracy. And I say welcome. Join us. Let's protect our democracy. We'll be back after this. And now, the voice of reason in an unreasonable world, Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I am your host, Mark Levine. Mostly just playing speeches from the convention. I've talked about some of the other horrible things going on in the nation. We're in a time of light and darkness. We're in a time of deep, deep darkness, but our leaders are telling us how to get out. I thought President Obama's appeal last night, and I'm getting to the heart of it, was as persuasive as, as if, if anyone I've ever heard. Now, I know you know that's my view already. But listen as he talks about cynicism, the danger of cynicism, and how really that is their goal, cynicism. Because that's what's at stake right now, our democracy. 
Look, I understand why a lot of Americans are down on government. The way the rules have been set up and abused in Congress make it easier for special interests to stop progress than to make progress. Believe me, I, I know it. I understand why a white factory worker who's seen his wages cut or his job shipped overseas might feel like the government no longer looks out for him. And why a black mom might feel like it never looked out for her at all. I understand why a new immigrant might look around this country and wonder whether there's still a place for him here. Why a young person might look at politics right now. The circus of it all, the meanness and the lies and conspiracy theories and think, what is the point? Well, here's the point. This president and those in power, those who benefit from keeping things the way they are, they are counting on your cynicism. They know they can't win you over with their policies. So they're hoping to make it as hard as possible for you to vote and to convince you that your vote does not matter. That is how they win. Think about that. Just think about that. They know they can't win you over. They know they're not helping America. They know that 170,000 Americans are dead and likely tens of thousands more will die. They know they're destroying the economy. They know they're promoting racism and hopelessness. And they want you to feel hopeless. They want you to feel like your vote doesn't count. They want you to throw it away. They want you to give up on your country. That is how they get to keep making decisions that affect your life and the lives of the people you love. That's how the economy will keep getting skewed to the wealthy and well-connected. How our health systems will let more people fall through the cracks. That's how a democracy withers until it's no democracy at all. That's how a democracy withers until it's no democracy at all. And we cannot let that happen. Do not let them take away your power. Do not let them take away your democracy. Make a plan right now for how you are going to get involved and vote. Do it as early as you can and tell your family and friends how they can vote too. Because voting is the only way out. You know, Russia had a democracy as recently as 10 years ago. As recently as 10 years ago, the Russian people still could choose their leader. Turkey had a democracy going back to the 1940s. 70, 80 years of democratic rule. Doesn't have one anymore. The Weimar Republic, for all its flaws prior to Adolf Hitler, was a democracy. You know, we're growing up with this idea of American exceptionalism. And part of that exceptionalism is this belief that because we have one of the nation's oldest, one of the world's, excuse me, one of the world's oldest republics, they can never be undone. We're a bit blasé about our freedoms. Freedom of speech, we can say whatever we want, can we? When you protest outside the White House and you get beaten by the thugs 
that are supposed to protect our borders are not supposed to be beating up American citizens for daring to criticize their police? Is it that big a hop, skip, and a jump from that to Vladimir Putin's murder today of his political opponent? A difference in degree, but not in kind. Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, they're all warning us to take our democracy while we still can, to vote while we still have power to do so, before a president that is trying to prevent us from voting, even going to defunding the American post office to try to get them stop delivering the mail. Veterans getting pills, life-saving pills in the, in the mail be damned. Let the military people die. Got to stop the vote. But you see, they haven't taken us yet. I'm still free to speak on the air to you. Will I be free in four years to speak out? Will I be in a prison cell? Oh, Mark, you're exaggerating. Am I? I agree we're not there yet, but if I told you a year ago that the president would cause the deaths of hundreds of thousands of innocent Americans, including his own supporters, and wouldn't give a damn, would you have believed me? If I told you four years ago that the president of the United States would conspire with our enemies, not only giving them our best intelligence, but working to give them hundreds of millions of dollars in taxpayer money if they would rig our elections, would you believe me? Would you believe me if I told you that the Russians were trying to hack our elections now and the president was supporting it while all of his aides go to jail for that very offense? Would you believe me if I told you that the president of the United States would endorse a wacko conspiracy theory so dangerous that it promotes terrorism worse than that of al-Qaeda? Our democracy is at stake. And frankly, the biggest threat is not Donald Trump, it's cynicism. Barack Obama is right. If you believe that you can't make a difference, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe you can't make a difference and you work hard to show you can't make a difference, you know what will happen? You won't be able to make a difference ever again. Democracy is not some gift from our founders that lasts forever. America, the greatest country on earth, we, we, we say it as a platitude, and when it's just a platitude, it can go away. America used to be the leader of the free world just four years ago when President Obama was president. At that time, Countries around the globe looked to us for leadership. We were known as the beacon of freedom, the beacon of democracy. And whether it was a Democratic president or a Republican president, I did not like Ronald Reagan's domestic policies. But Ronald Reagan at least knew Russia was the evil empire. He at least supported democracy more often than dictatorship. So that's why socialists and conservative Republicans are coming together in an uneasy alliance to say, we disagree, 
on vitally important things like healthcare, corporate power. But we all agree that America has to remain a democratic republic. We all agree on the right to vote, the right to have a free press. And increasingly, even white conservatives, some of them, are starting to recognize that black lives matter. It's not just white lives anymore. Yeah, black citizens, they actually are American citizens and have every right that white citizens do. You think folks would have learned that lesson in the 60s, but they haven't and they're coming to. I've run out of time. I was going to play some of the speech of Kamala Harris, our wonderful vice presidential nominee. Let me just say this. Having her there is appropriate because, let's face it, she was a strong prosecutor, California attorney general. She was elected senator by the largest state in the United States. She's clearly qualified for the job of presidency, and no one that I know of can give Joe Biden better advice, and particularly advice as it relates to taking apart some of those people's arguments. You saw how she destroyed Kavanaugh. She knows better than to trust what uh, Joe Biden might call malarkey. But for all the, the hubbub about the fact that she's a black woman, the fact that she's a daughter of immigrants, Indian American woman, that matters. Not just because it tells every little black girl that she too can be president of the United States, but because she is a voice in the room for the all of America, for other communities, a voice for the voiceless. It isn't what democracy is all about. Tune in next week to talk about the Republican Convention.